Quran and Sunnah does not have uh, direction. So your phone loses signal, your device loses contact, and uh, you cannot access, you cannot download. But there's no point where you get into Quran and Hadith, uh, there's no signal here. I'm not sure. It's vague. It's unclear. I don't know what's the direction. Never ever. Yes, this is possible that the direction given by the Quran and Sunnah momentarily slips your mind. But it's not possible that the Quran hasn't given you context. There cannot be a more challenging moment that had gripped the ummah on a global level than the painful demise of the Prophet That was the most challenging moment. Abu Bakr anhu said, Amsat humumun thiqalun. That such is the colossal and mammoth nature of the demise of the Prophet It's almost like my entire body is broken into pieces. I cannot even begin to process the gravity of the test knowing that as of today, O oh my Habib وسلم, I will not have the privilege to see you in, in, in life again for as long as I live. I cannot even begin to process. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu, Muhammad has not passed away. Whoever says this, I will deal with him. And Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, who was experiencing the separation at the greatest level, then just brought some degree of normality to this turbulent situation by referencing the verses which were in the Quran, but due to the gravity of the grief, it slipped the minds of everyone. وَمَا مُحَمَّدٌ إِلَّا رَسُولٌ قَدْ خَلَتْ مِنْ قَبْلِهِ الرُّسُلٌ أَفَإِنْ مَاتَ أَوْ قُتِلْ إِنْ قَلَبْتُمْ عَلَىٰ أَعْقَابِكُمْ Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is not the deity. He is a prophet. And if one day he passes on, or he's assassinated, how would you respond? And of course, this was revealed in the context of the expedition of Uhud, in which the rumor was circulated about the demise of the Prophet ﷺ, which had caused the Sahaba great distress. But then they realized that the Prophet of Allah was alive. So it, they took a sigh with relief. But it was a subtle preparation for the eventuality. The point I'm saying is, the Ummah is experiencing and will experience on personal levels, on global levels, a lot of things. The Quran and Hadith will always have a sense of direction, guidance and navigation. There's just no two ways about it here. Everything will be discussed in detail. Yes. Are we tapping into it? Have we realized it? Have we gathered it and processed it? This is the challenge. And uh, in, in each time when we would um, appreciate the, 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 the relevance 
of the Quran to that situation, that is the only way through which the Ummah will find comfort and, and, and consolation. So time is very short. Uh, you know, that was just like a preamble and, and, and time is slipping so swiftly. Uh, maybe I can start with the latter part because uh, I'm, 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 I'm fearing that I might not get to that point. Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu said, salvation lies in two things and destruction lies in two things. So I would have loved to start off with the aspect of salvation. Maybe let's just touch on it briefly and then get to the latter part, uh, which I want to focus on. So two things in life, if you do, you will ultimately, absolutely, holistically see goodness in whatever you do. Number one, aniya, have good intentions. Whatever you're doing, let your intentions be wholesome. So often we start things with good intentions, but then they get diluted as we move on. Uh, because, you know, what things just change, things evolve, and suddenly now there's contamination, pollution, dilution, uh, and, and now the whole endeavors get, the lines get blurred. So have, have a good intention. So many times when I performed the nikah, I asked the groom, I said, what's your intention? I'm get married. What was the intention about here? The Prophet ﷺ said, three people are in the help of Allah. One out of the three, the bride and the groom who enter into the bond of marriage with the primary aim of preserving, protecting their morality, chastity, and modesty. So I'm getting married. This is my aim. This is my intention. I, Allah has given me a need. And that's the beauty of Islam. It doesn't come to deny you your need. It comes to regulate it. So Islam doesn't deny you anything. You must sleep. You must eat. You must get married. You must shop. You must have all this. Shit. But these are the limitations. These are the context. This is the, the, the regulations to it. Yeah. So aniya. In everything that you do, have good intentions. And the second thing is at taqwa. Fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The way you're doing it, the way you're executing it, uh, the only thing that can bring discipline to the human race is the consciousness of the Almighty. You can discipline a group of people by a camera. You can discipline a group of people by a soldier, by a marshal, by a monitor, by a, a, um, an authority. But what happens when that camera is not there, the monitor is not there, the senior is not there, behind the scenes. How do you bring discipline to a man in his private life with his spouse, in his own private environment? The only thing that can bring absolute discipline is the fear of Allah. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu passed by a young man who had a flock of sheep, and he said, sell me one lamb. So the young man said, no, it's not for me. This lamb doesn't belong to me. This sheep, this flock is not mine. Inna hali sayyidi. It belongs to my master. So Umar radiallahu anhu said, okay, just sell me one. Your master is not going to have a head count of it. Uh, and then when he comes, you can say, listen, there was some stray wolf or jackal roaming around and probably they devoured one. So the young boy said, فَإِذَا قُلْتُ لِسَيِّدِي أَكَلَهَا الذِّئْبُ فَمَاذَا أَقُولُ لِرَبِّي يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Okay, I, I buy into your story. I can sell you that. I can convince you and I can argue with my master. But what will I tell my Allah? Because none can veil his vision. Nobody can block the eye of Allah. And of course, we do not visualize a, a physical eye for Allah. Allah sees as befits his majesty. And when Sayyidina Umar radiallahu heard this, he then purchased the liberation of this boy. And he said to him, أَعْتَقَدْكَ هَذِهِ الْكَلِمَةُ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَأَرْجُوا أَن تُعْتِقَكَ فِي الْآخِرَةِ 
that uh, your honesty today has secured your freedom in this world and I'm optimistic from Allah that it would grant you deliverance from the fire of Jahannam on the day of Qiyamah. Now comes the second part of my message and that ties up with my opening comments. Uh, Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu then said, destruction lies in two things. Number one, al-ujbu. Ujb is where you become conceited, self-opinionated, and uh, you become obsessed with yourself. You don't have room, space, grace, allowance uh, to engage, to interact, to listen, to, to be tolerant towards others. It's just about myself. It's all about me. And, and you become obsessed about yourself. You know, I'm, I'm amazing. I'm great. And just complete um, seeking that individual power on every level of your own self. That is destruction. When a person reaches that person, it's just about myself in every regard. And, and there's no allowance in any way. And it's only inflating your ego. It's only praising yourself. It's only complimenting yourself. Wherever you meet him, whenever you meet him, he's only speaking about how great he is, how amazing he is, how wonderful he is. That, that's a sign of the collapse and the fall and the destruction of that person. Mutarrif bin Abdullah rahmatullah said, لَأَنْ أَبِيتَ نَائِمَ وَأُصْبِحَ نَادِمَ أَحَبُّ إِلَيَّ مِنْ أَنْ أَبِيتَ قَائِمَ وَأُصْبِحْ مُعْجِبَةً I would prefer sleep in the night and not engaging in nafal prayer and then getting up in the morning and regretting that I slept the whole night and I did not engage in vigil and prayer. Then spending the entire night in optional prayer and getting up in the morning proud about my night of prayer. Alam tara ila ladhina yuzakkuna anfusahum balillahu yuzakki man yasha. Oh Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, have you seen about these people who are just glorifying themselves? It's just about how great I am and how amazing I am. In English they say, don't pat yourself on your shoulder, you might dislocate it. So that's a sign of destruction. And a sign of growth is where you can compliment others and praise others. And a sign, let me just mention this here, praising others, we've been taught, praise people in their absence. So in that way, you save the individual from being uh, flattered and conceited. And at the same time, you promote and say, hey, so-and-so was talking good words about you. Mashallah, man. The way he spoke about you was amazing, man. So you're promoting a good sense of brotherhood. But praising someone on his face and then behind the back, that's a sign of nifaq and hypocrisy. That's a sign. يُثْنِي صَالِحًا حَيْثُ أَسْمَعْ تَوَرَّعْتُ أَنْ أَغْتَابَهُ مِنْ وَرَائِهِ وَمَا هُوَ إِذْ يَغْتَابُنِي مُتَوَرِّعُ In Urdu someone said, خَامُوشْ رَحَا زَمَانَا هَمَارِي نَيْكِيُوْ پِهِ خَامُوشْ رَحَا زَمَانَا هَمَارِي نَيْكِيُوْ پِهِ عَيْبُو کی بات آئی تو گونگے بھی بول پر ہے خَامُوشْ رَحَا زَمَانَا هَمَارِي نَيْكِيُوْ and then when somebody spoke about my, my folly and my weaknesses, then even the mute and the dumb were articulate. Like, the one who didn't know how to speak, suddenly he's speaking. Okay, I, I, I didn't get to my talk. The second thing that I really want to and I tie it up with my opening comments, the second thing that, you know what, is a... Is, is, is a is a flag of destruction and brings the collapse of a nation is despondency. So Abdullah ibn Masood said, do two things, you will seek success. 
have good intentions, fear Allah in everything. Whatever you do, fear Allah the way you interact in. Today we live in a world where people pray, P-R-E-Y, on the vulnerable. And they don't pray for the vulnerable. We need to convert that E to A. Pray for the vulnerable. Don't pray on them. Someone is coming to you in a state of destitute. They're vulnerable. They're desperate. You are in a position of authority, muscle, and clout. They mean well, but you're exploiting that situation. Allah knows. Allah knows, are you sincere? Are you honest? Are you platonic? Are you candid? Are you frank? Or are you tapping into their vulnerability to feed your own ego and lust? So fear Allah and have good intentions. And destruction is where you are. I'm the absolute. You are, have the self-opinionated person from a micro to the macro where you just become to a person nobody can tell you, nobody can engage you. Allah speaks about tyrant rulers, dictators, autocrats that, that, that speak a lot, but when they come in power, they lack it. There are some people who when they speak, wow, this guy's amazing, man, he'll mesmerize, he'll leave you spellbound. But then give him the power. Give him the power. He just causes mayhem and anarchy and, 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 and lawlessness. And then someone then tells him, listen, that's not how you behave. Fear the Almighty. Fear the Almighty. Then he's gripped by arrogance and pride. And he says, who are you to tell me? So the second point that destroys, or the two things that destroy a person, one is uh, to become inflated, conceited. And the second thing is despondency. In the language of a believer, there isn't despondency. It is hope that keeps a believer going. And it is part of a campaign to make a believer despondent. A believer has a plan of action. He needs to be compliant and he needs to keep himself. I often say the devil has two attacks on a person. What does the devil do? The first is he makes you commit the wrong. Right? And then after committing the wrong, then he makes you despondent about forgiveness. Listen, this is a regular story with you. Every Saturday you do your nonsense. Every Sunday you regret in it. Just, just forget about doing the stoba on Sunday. He won't tell you forget about the nonsense on Saturday. He'll tell you forget about the toba on Sunday. That's what the devil does. So he wants to weaken your mind and your strength and your emotion and your drive and take the wind out of your sails. Listen, man, you're playing a game with your Allah. You, you come Ramadan, you behave, then the nonsense starts. Just, just stop the game. If he has succeeded in misleading you, don't give him the latter pleasure. Don't give him the second pleasure of, of despondency. Sayyidina Yaqub alayhi salam has lost Yusuf alayhi salam. Meaning separated. He's hoping, he's wishing, he's praying, he's making dua to Allah. Oh Allah, please return my son, return my son. And then in the interim, in hoping and wishing for the reunion with his first son, I'm going to end and I do appreciate the time and may Allah bless you, but I think it's a key point because the ummah needs hope. The ummah needs direction. And this is Quran, my opening comments. Whatever happens to me and happens to you, the Quran and Hadith has direction and signal. It never loses satellite. It never loses. 
I might not tap into it or access it or comprehend it or process it, but it's there. Sometimes say, where's the keys? It's not here. It's not here. Come, open. Watch, where's your eyes? So it's not like it wasn't there. I didn't spot it. And that's, that's my responsibility to, to, to understand the message of the Quran. So Yaqub is hoping for the reunion of Yusuf and Allah tests him and takes the second son. It can only be the faith of a Nabi that is relentless and unwavering that you're hoping for one and the second falls. And when the second fell, the third one consciously said, listen, I don't have a face to face my father. We took the first one and we didn't bring him back. Now the second one went, I'm not coming. He meant well, but he didn't realize by his absence, it aggravates the agony of his father because it makes two into three. You are he, the verse of the Quran. You people go back to dad and say, listen, this is what happened. We came from the king and the whole story of theft, etc. So I'm not going to have a heart and a face to go. You people go back. Yaqub is making dua for the first and the second fell. He made dua for the second and the third fell. And it was the unwavering, relentless conviction in Allah that the Nabi says, Ya Bani Yadhabu. Oh my children, go, go look for Yusuf, go look for his brother, go find them. And listen to me, don't give up hope in Allah. Don't give up hope in Allah. When finally Allah decided, because no, Wallahu yahkum, la Allah says, you can decide and I can cut your decision short. I can override it. And I decide, and nobody can override what I decided. No one can cut my decision short. So Allah has a time, and that time will happen uh, when Allah has decided. If somebody told you they're going to come and fetch you at 11 o'clock, and you decided to stand outside at 10 o'clock, now it could be quite agonizing and frustrating at 11 o'clock when they come. Say, but I'm waiting for one hour. But I told you 11 o'clock. You excited yourself by hoping from 10 o'clock. But the plan was 11 the plan of Allah is perfect. Don't excite yourself against what Allah has decided. His knowledge is complete. And I'll leave you with this reflection. When Allah had decided, when Allah had decided for the reunion, and now Yusuf was far, and he said, Inni la ajidu riha Yusuf. My children, I'm getting the fragrance of my son Yusuf if you don't think I'm old, frail, and senile. Lawla antufannidun. Now the question is, when Yusuf was separated and initially dropped into the well, he was in Canaan, which was in relative proximity. Was it that at that time, Yaqub sense of smell was not so strong? I'm giving the verse of the Quran in related context, that he couldn't tap and realize and identify. And then 40 years later, when the sun is at a distance of three weeks by travel, Suddenly, inni la ajidu riha Yusuf. I'm getting the fragrance of Yusuf. And the ulama say, وَمَا ذَاكَ إِلَّا لِأَنَّ الْأُمُورَ مَرْهُونَةٌ بِأَوْقَاتِهَا It had nothing to do with the scent or the smell, sense of Sayyidina Yaqub And it had everything to do with the duration of the test of Allah in the favor of Yaqub When his son was so close, at that time Allah had intended the test, so he was barred and veiled. So he couldn't access the scent of his son. 
when Allah had decreed that the test had lapsed and now Allah had ordained for the reunion, notwithstanding the distance of the location, he could still get the scent. Everything has a time. The plan of Allah is perfect. The Quran is flawless. My concluding message is, as believers, لا تيأسوا من روح الله Don't give up hope in Allah. إنه لا يأسوا من روح الله إلا القوم الكافرون The verses of Yaqub alayhi salatu wassalam. Oh my children, it is only a disbelieving nation that does not have hope in Allah. Sayyidina Ali radiallahu had given some advice. It's a long thing, but in that he said, لا يخافن أحد إلا ذنبه ولا يرجو إلا ربه If there's anything to fear in life is the consequences of your sins and if there's any being you put your hope in is Allah Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh We'd like to thank Sheikh Suleiman Mullah He is my Ustad but I look like the older one. Alhamdulillah, mashallah. Allah give us a 